What a blessing in Papua New Guinea and a lot of times in America here because of the culture of Papua New Guinea and everybody calling everybody brata. Brata below me. Huh? Below me uh, shows possession. My brother. Hmm? And so uh, the national language is Pidgin English, but there are 800 tribes with 800 different tribal languages there. And so Pidgin English is the national language where all the tribes can communicate with each other. But do they speak tribal language in the village? Yes, they speak tribal language in the village. And um, so we, we dealt with at least three of those tribes, and uh, the Wiru tribe, and the Kewabi tribe, and the, oh, excuse me, the Kuga tribe, and also the Salapit tribe. So four tribes, actually there in Papua New Guinea. And uh, they can be right next door to each other, but, uh, you know, the Widus don't talk anything close to what the Kewapis do. And so um, it's a challenge, but, you know, tonight I'm going to speak to you about are you hearing voices? And um, if you're not here tonight and you're hearing this, you can always... Uh, Tune in onto YouTube and just put in Wayne Fair and uh, Are You Hearing Voices? And you can watch it on YouTube. Uh, this will be the third time that this message has been preached. I came into America, Sister Sue and I came into America in March and in intentions of being here for uh, April and May and going back to Papua New Guinea in June uh, after our medical and some things were taken care of. But mother-in-law had a massive stroke, and father-in-law um, had a brain bleed, and so they both are needing our care. And so we will be transitioning into America now. And uh, while while we're transitioning into America, so at me being a Cessna 182 pilot in the bush of Papua New Guinea, um, a lady sent us a, sent me a, a video clip little uh, sound video clip and uh, I had been dealing with this uh, writing this message down probably uh, six years ago are you hearing voices because there are some things that I was running into and one of the things is that missionaries find and even uh, church members find is everybody knows what you should be doing and they will tell you, you should be doing this and you should be doing that. And uh, as a new missionary going to the field, they're going to give you advice on you should do this and you should do that and you should do the other. But the important thing is not that you hear everybody's voice. The important thing is that you need to get away from everybody's voice and hear that still small voice. And uh, if you'll do that and get along with God you'll find out that uh, you'll have good success. Uh, and I believe the Lord would have me to uh, read this to you. Uh, and, and as young missionaries and as new missionaries going to the mission field, uh, always write things down when the Lord gives you something. And because uh, the older you get, now I'm 68, uh, you'll start to forget. But here's something, a personal something that... Uh, the Lord dealt with me 31, uh, 21 December 2003, things from God. Remember, Wayne, 
before you came into the ministry, it was God's. And when you're dead and gone, it will still be God's. For it's God's ground and God's grace and God's glory. Your field is God's. Your favor is from God. The ministry is his building project. It is his field bought with his blood. And it is his blueprint to be followed by his spirit. It is his boast and his glory. Remember, fruit came about by his power, not yours. So don't be an Uzzah and put your hand on it and say, my ministry. It is God's ministry. We are just tools. To God be the glory, great things. I thank the Lord, Moses said, that I found grace in thy sight. So don't be an Uzzah and put your hand on it. Never think of yourself as more than a tool in the hand of the master carpenter. For he purchased it. He planned it. And he will receive all of the praise for protecting it all the way to completion. You may be a hammer here and provide drive. Or you may be a saw here and provide order cut to fit. Or you may be the square here and help hold things stand straight. Or you may be the nail here to help hold things together. But you're still just a tool. And the carpenter, he can always get another tool. So remember, it was God's ministry before you came. And it will be God's ministry after you're dead and gone. Samuel said to Saul, when you first came to be king, you were little in your own sight. That's when you were really big. But now you're a big shot. You think you're somebody. And the Lord has rejected you. Listen, I want you to have good success. I want me to have good success. But in order for us to have good success as Christians, the clothing of Christianity is what? Not pride. Humility. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. In due time, when I say go, you'll go. In due time, when I say shine, you'll shine. In due time, when I say stand up and speak, speak. In due time, when I say sit down and shut up, sit down and shut up. <laughs> to God be the glory. Are you hearing voices? Let us look in our Bible at a text here in Acts chapter number 9. The story of Saul of Tarsus, who later got the name Paul. And oh yes, by the way, when it comes to prayer, I thought of something... uh, one of the times I was in a boot camp in, in Paris Island, I made a mistake. And the drill instructor said something to me. And I said, sir, the private. I said, I didn't say, sir, the private. I said, sir, I. And he came and he started poking me around the eye. Oh, we got a private eye here. Huh? You never say I. It is the private. Yes, sir. 
And so uh, he gave me a little schooling lesson there because I, I had said something. He said, what happened? And I said something about the black private behind me. And he said, there are no black privates here, brother. Or he didn't say brother, but he, he said, there are no black privates. He said, um, we are all green Marines here. Some of us are dark green Marines and some of us are light green Marines, but we are all green and we live and we move and we breathe as a unit. There are no individuals, there are no private eyes. <laughs> and so, so we live and move and breathe as the church. And I need you and you need me and we pray one for another and encourage one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. We live and move as a unit. True story. First time, first term in the mission field, broke down with fever and malaria and had a hard time. I knew because it was planting a church in the bush and I was the pastor because there was no pastor there yet. And so I said, Lord, I can't preach. <laughs> I need help. And I was lay, laying there in the bed. But lo and behold, the fever finally broke early in the morning at 4 o'clock in the morning. And I was able to get up and I was able to preach Sunday morning. And um, I came into America and to report to churches. And this elderly sister in Ohio, she said to my wife, what was going on during this month of such and such and what such and such date? And Sister Sue said, I don't know, but I'll look in my journal. And so that evening we came back to church and she looked in her journal and she said, that was the week, that was the time when Wayne had very strong malaria and high fever. She said, uh, all that week, I was being disturbed. Amen. And the Lord was dealing with me. Get out and pray for Brother Wayne. And I think of this, you know. You don't know what's going on. <laughs> I didn't know what was going on. But I was able to get up and preach. And if a soul came and got saved that day, one day at the judgment seat of Christ, he's going to ask. And I'll say, sir, Wayne Fair, platoon 282, Papua New Guinea, all president of council. But then when I step forward, the Lord will say, no, step aside, son. And I'll say, what? And he says, this crown. And he goes, sister so-and-so. He'll put a crown on that sister that was praying. Because that preacher couldn't have got up and preached had not she prayed and the fever broke and the soul got saved. So we live and move and breathe as a unit. As the church. Some give, some go, some stay, some pray, but to God be the glory. Now Acts chapter 9. And verse number 7. Well, let us look at verse 4. And when he, Paul, fell to the earth, 
and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he, Saul, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. And the men, and the men what? And the men which journeyed with him stood speechless. Because why? Hearing a voice, but seeing no man. Are you hearing voices? Well, you know, this outline just has two points. There is the voice of Satan, the voice of the devil. And there is the voice of God. There is heaven and there is hell. (laughs) And uh, you can hear these voices because whenever it comes through the devil, the three avenues that he uses is the world, the flesh, and the devil. Let us pray. Father, we thank you, dear God, for your word. We pray, dear God, that we'd say what you'd have us to say, the way you'd have us to say it. And we pray, dear God, that all the brothers and sisters may get help tonight. And Lord, if there's one here that's unsaved, Lord, that they might hear your voice and they might respond and they might be saved. And Lord, they can leave those that sat in darkness, saw a great light, that they can become a child and a children of light instead of the children of darkness. And we give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, when it comes to the voice, the voice of Satan, he uses the world, he uses the flesh, and he uses the devil. So I'm wondering with their text over here and looking in at 1 John chapter number 2, back next to Revelation and 1 John chapter 2, Verse number 15, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. For if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Oh, I want you to have good success. I want you to abide forever. I want you to be blessed. But you're going to have to train yourself to pay attention to the right voice because there's a lot of distractors in this world. You say, Brother Wayne, why is it so easy for us to get distracted (laughs) into the things of sin and the things of the world, the flesh, and the devil? Because we're sinners living in a sinful world. That's why it's so easy. And so you have to desire You have to desire the sincere milk of God that you can grow there. You have to desire the things of God. And if you desire the things of God, the Lord will help you. Notice, when it comes to the voice of the devil using the world, the flesh, and the devil... You know, you've got the salesman voice that's trying to sell you something. You've got the con man's voice trying to con you into something. And, of course, you have the devil himself. There is the voice of the devil himself mentioned over here in Acts chapter 19. In Acts chapter 19 and verse number, let us look at Acts 19. And in Acts chapter 19 and verse number 13, 
Then certain of the vagabond Jews, exorcists, took upon them to call over them, which had evil spirits. They took upon them to call over the evil spirits the name of the Lord Jesus, saying, We adjure you by Jesus, whom Paul preaches. And there were seven sons of one, Sceva, a Jew, and chief of the priests, which did so. And the evil spirit answered, Here's the evil spirit's voice coming from the devil. Huh? Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are ye? And the man in whom the evil spirit was, was leaped on them and overcame them and prevailed against them. And they fled out of that house naked and wounded. Let me tell you something. People in the jungle are smarter than some of the educated people of America because people in the jungle, they know the devil is real and evil spirits are real and witch doctors are real. (laughs) You can hear the wrong voices. If you start tampering with the black arts and you start tampering with what we call the, the devices of the devil and seances and... Christians have no business tampering with those things and Ouija boards and you need to get away from that before something evil starts speaking to you. Notice also, the devil can speak and there's a voice from him. But the one we want to concentrate and focus our time on is the voice of God. And he has three avenues which he approaches us. It is the avenue of God the Father himself, first mentioned in Genesis chapter number 3. And as you look in Genesis chapter 3 and verse number, well, look in Genesis chapter 3 and verse number 8. Genesis chapter 3 and verse number 8. And they heard the voice of the Lord God. Well, there's Adam and Eve. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. They heard the voice of the Lord God. I said, I don't know. I don't know what he's doing. Was he Dr. Doolittle? Was he, you know, talking to the animals? Was he saying, oh, the grass is good or whatever? They heard, but they heard God talking. I don't know, it was just Adam and Eve in the garden, but God was talking to something, something, and he was saying something. And they heard the voice of God coming through the garden. They wanted to hide themselves. So there is the voice of the Father. And then also God's other avenue that he speaks through. Uh, And look at this, you know, when it came to the children of Israel, quickly you can look at, well, let us look at, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Jeremiah. Now, it's important that you pay attention to the scriptures because faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. And so uh, I was always taught by my pastor in Bible Institute, give a lot of the word of God because that's what's going to strengthen, that's what's going to help the brothers and sisters in Christ. So looking in your Bible at Jeremiah chapter number 7, Notice, when the children of Israel left Egypt, God didn't put upon them all these other tasks. He put this on them. Look at Jeremiah chapter 7, speaking to the children of Israel. And verse number 20, well, let us look at verse number 21. 
Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Put your burnt offerings under your sacrifices and eat flesh. For I spake not unto your fathers, nor commanded them in the day that I brought them out of the land of Egypt. I didn't speak to them concerning burnt offerings or sacrifices. But this thing commanded I them, saying, I want you to do this one thing, all you children of Israel. What's that, God? Obey my voice. And I, and I will be your God, and ye, and ye shall be my people. And walk ye in all the ways that I have commanded you, that it may be what? That it may be well unto you. You know, the safest place to be is in the will of God, doing God's work, God's way. Whenever you do God's work, God's way, God provides and takes care of things. But you start building your own, you know, we, we want to be working for the king, not building our kingdom. Because if we get this big piece of machinery that we've pumped up and we've got it all going, sooner or later, God will take the broomstick and stick it right in the gears. And smoke will fly out. And we'll go, oh, my God. And the Lord goes, I've been trying to talk to you. Can, I, can we talk? But my machine, and God goes, well, yeah, it was you. That wasn't me. You be careful in your Christian life when you try to run ahead of God and you try to do things with your own logic. You need to always stop and pause. Young missionary asked me, he said, Brother Wayne, I know God has called me to come and preach and teach Bible school, but what should I tell people that ask me this? When are you going to go? How are you going to do it? When are you going to do it? They want to know. I said, just tell them one thing. I know God called me to do this. How should I look at it, really? I said, you know what? You should look at it like this. God has put you in the game. But he is going to call it day by day, play by play. It's his ministry. And he is going to tell you how to run the ball, when to run the ball, what he wants you to do. You're not going to just do it. Like, okay, God, you called me. Step back. I'm going to do great things for you now. Listen, God doesn't need me. God doesn't need you. We need God. (laughs) And if we're going to do God's work, we're going to have to do God's work God's way. And it's the same way in your family, in your Christian life, as a Christian. You need to just stop and you say, Lord, I tried to do all this, but Lord, (laughs) I made a mess. What do you want? And the Lord will say, this is what you need to do. I remember one time in particular, I had got there. I was the only missionary on the other side of the river. And I said, uh, I came to town. I talked to this one missionary. I said, what do you think? He said, well, you probably need to get uh, your Bible Institute started and everything and train some men. And then I talked to another missionary. I said, well, you, you think? And he goes, well, you know, your family is important and, and you need to make sure that you get a, a regular timber house, a sawmill and cut you some timber and, get, you know, get your wife in a good house where the rats aren't crawling everywhere and everything. And I thought, well, yeah, yeah that's a good thing. And I got back to the house and I was still corn-fused. I was still corn-fused. <laughs> and so I said, I, she said, what? I said, I don't know. I got to get alone. I went and got alone. At that time, preaching to the Kawapi people, a grass hut church, 
120 people. The Lord touched me with that still small voice and said, you know what? You've got 120 people here, Wayne. Yes, sir. How many of them can read and write? About that many. How many of them got saved? Oh, Lord, I know probably about out of the 120, you know, 65 or 70 of them. He goes, well, and what are they? Well, you know, they're babes. Well, then you need to start nursing them. Every morning, I want you to get up, bang that bell. Have them come into the church. I want you to give them devotions at least two times a week before they go to their gardens. You give them a one-line outline, and you give them something to charge their battery up spiritually. You feed them the word of God. Then let them go to their garden. Then let them go out and do, take care of their pigs. Then let them go up in the bush and do what they want to do. But you, yes, sir. Went back to town. The missionary said, well, what, what do you think? I said, no, you had a good idea. That, I need to do that. But right now, I know I got to do something else right now. It's God's ministry. God knows what those sheep need. And you need to get along with God and pay attention. And then you'll have good success. People need to be grounded in the word of God. Obey my voice. And again he said in verse number 28. Look at that. Jeremiah seven twenty-eight. But thou shalt say unto them. Concerning the nation of Israel. This is a nation. That obeyeth not the voice of the Lord their God. Nor receiveth correction. Truth is perished. And is cut off from their mouth. What's going to happen? Well, if you don't obey and listen to what the Lord wants to do and how he wants to do his ministry, he will reject you. You're not so important. I'm not so important that I can't be replaced. Always keep a humble attitude and God will bless you. And basically just say like King Solomon said in his start off, Lord, I don't know how to go in and I don't know how to go out and... I need some wisdom. I need some help. And the Lord say, okay, we're going to do some business. You keep that humble attitude, and you're going to go a long way. You're going to have good success. So he speaks to us through God the Father's voice. That's one way. And the other way is through the Spirit of God himself. And the Spirit of the Lord himself. Notice what he says Quickly, looking at Acts chapter number 8, where the Ethiopian eunuch (laughs) is spoken of in Acts chapter 8. In Acts chapter 8 and verse number 29, Then the Spirit said unto Philip, What Spirit? The unholy Spirit? No, it was the Holy Spirit. (laughs) The Holy Spirit said to Philip, Go near and join thyself to the chariot, this chariot. And Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and say, Understandest thou what thou readest? And he said, Well, how can I except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. And the place of the scripture which he read was this, He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and like a lamb dumb before his shear, so opened he not his mouth. And in his humiliation... His judgment was taken away. And who shall declare his generation for his life is taken from the earth. And the 
eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray, of whom speaketh the prophet this? Of himself or of some other? And Philip opened his mouth and he began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. The Holy Spirit guided Philip to him. And the Holy Spirit is our guide, looking at John chapter 16. And um, it's a simple two-piece two outline here. But uh, God dealt with me on the uh, third, third week in November. I uh, heard this video clip, and the Lord said, Okay, it's time for you to preach this message on Are You Hearing Voices, Wayne? And so looking at John... Chapter number 16 and verse number 13. What does the Lord say in the Bible? Howbeit when he, concerning the spirit of truth, howbeit when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. So the avenue of God's voice comes through God the Father himself. The avenue of God's voice comes through the Holy Spirit whom Jesus said is the spirit of truth. When he is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. And notice lastly, he speaks to us through his son Jesus. And that is mentioned in where? John chapter 10. Jesus is called what? He said, I am the good shepherd. He is the good shepherd. And who are we? We are his sheep. You notice when he speaks in John chapter 10, he starts out with this. Let us look at verse number 3. John 10 verse 3. Jesus said, To him the porter openeth, and the sheep The sheep do what? The sheep hear his voice. And he calleth his own sheep by name. Wayne, come here. I got something for you. Mark, come here. I got something for you. Mike, come here. I got something for you. (laughs) Marcus, come here. I got something for you. He calls us by. He knows our name. He knows who we are. He knows where we are. He knows what we need. What a blessing, what a comfort to know that he cares. Casting all your care upon him, for he what? He careth for you. Notice, he goeth before them, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and he leadeth them out, in verse 4, and when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them. You know what? He, he didn't tell me, just go to Papua New Guinea, I'll come later. No, he, was, he always goes before me. Big brother, <laughs> Jesus, is always in front, and I'm walking behind following his footsteps. And he's taking care of us through all the roadblocks and all the trouble. I remember a particular roadblock in particular. There was probably over 100 men. They had killed a fellow in another tribe. And when they had killed a fellow in the other tribe, the other tribe demanded compensation. You're going to pay us 60000 or whatever they mark money for killing this guy or we're going to kill some of your people. 
And so I came up the road. We had been four and a half hours already out of the bush, and we're on the last hour to get to town and came up, and there are about 100 guys there on the road. They got the road blocked. The paved road is blocked, and uh, they're standing on the hillside, and some of them are standing in the road, and there's a big old lava rock there. You know, and lava rocks, they're not all that heavy, but they look big, and they got it sitting there, and I pulled up, and I said... Uh, What's the problem? He said, oh, people are fighting. People are killing one man. Now, all he asked him compensation. So they had this big, long bamboo pole about 20 feet long. And they had little spikes sticking out of it. And they were sticking, you know, two kinas and three kinas and dollar bills all on it, you know, collecting money because we need to collect money. And I said, look, I'm a missionary. You know I'm a missionary. I'm here preaching the gospel. This is a black man's problem. This is not the white man's problem. Let me through. I need to take my family to town. No, you're not going through. I said, okay. I put the truck in reverse, backed up, went up the road about a mile, pulled in a place up there, put my head down. I said, Lord, this is not right. We stuck in the mud. We had flat tire. We've gone through all this trouble. Now we come here. We're one hour from town. And this roadblock, and I, and that still small voice just said, just go ahead and go. Well, I didn't say anything to my wife, but I probably should have said something to my wife. So I just lifted up my head, started to truck up. Where are you going? I said, we're going through. I backed up. I went, drove, drove up there. All the men were staying there. I came out, threw the door open, grabbed the big lava rock, picked it up, threw it down, jumped back in the truck, put it in gear, went right through Guys moved out of the way. They didn't want to get run over. <laughs> Down the road, piece of lava rock comes flying. Just went over our boy's head and hit the roof of the truck, but we got away. You know, safety is of the Lord. It's not because you're a big macho and all that stuff. But if God says, do what I say, go, you know, you just need to use the element of surprise. You know, just drive up and they don't think they didn't, and grab the, and move it, and <laughs> you're You know, that's just obey his voice. She said, Wayne, you're going to get us together? I said, it's okay. We're gone. But you know, <clears throat> yeah, you should communicate. I'm not a good communicator, but uh, that's obvious. <clears throat> so lastly here, the son, the voice of the son. We need to hear the voice of our Savior. He said, uh, I know your name. <laughs> They know my voice, and look at John 10, 16, and other sheep I have. You know, the Lord dealt with me with that verse. You know, look away. I got Mexican sheep. That I, got, I got Burmese sheep. I got China sheep. I got, I got sheep in Germany. I got sheep. Listen, if these people, it, it, he came to his own. Jesus came to Israel, and his own received, and Israel didn't receive him. And Jesus said, look, I got other sheep. If you guys ain't going to hear, I'm going to carry the gospel to the Gentiles. I'm going to, this guy, Paul, is getting saved. He's going to be a missionary, and he's going to carry this gospel. I have other sheep. I have other sheep, verse 16, <laughs> I have, which are not of this fold. They're not Jews. They're not Israelites. But them also I must bring, and they, they, what? And they shall hear my voice. And there shall be one fold and one shepherd. 
And then to close it up, look at verse 26. But ye, he said to the Pharisees, those religious bunched, those Hebrew of Hebrews, <laughs> but ye, you Pharisees, ye believe not, because ye are not of my sheep. As I said unto you, my sheep hear my voice. And I, and I know them, and they, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my father's hand. Lastly, I would close with this illustration that I have here that I heard on the third week of November, just about 60, 70 days, 80 days ago. And so, you know what? There's only one voice you need to pay attention to. Not the world, not the flesh, not the devil, but it's God's voice. And he comes through those three avenues, the Holy Spirit, God the Father, and God the Son. And so here it is. Let us listen to this. We're way up in you, Alaska. You know David Gibbs, huh? The attorney. We're way out in the Aleutian Islands, getting ready to leave and go back to Anchorage and then home. And I had a ticket in my pocket to get on an airplane. A pastor came up and he said, listen, I can save you money. I said, how's that? He said, I flew a small airplane up here. And I fly a small airplane, and I can take you in my little airplane, and you can save your ticket. And this did not sound... I said, gee, thank you so very, very much. But I've got this ticket. We'll just make our way on home, me and this other lawyer with me. He said, no, 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 you got to do it, you got to do it. And against every better judgment I had, I said, okay. Well, we went out to the airport, took us by his little plane, and I looked at it. And I thought... Well, one good thing, it's shiny. Then he walked around it. We got in. He's on the left front. I'm on the right front. The other lawyer's sitting right behind me. And he started it up. And it started up just fine. Well, we taxied out. I said, should we pray? He said, yeah, that's a good idea. We normally don't. I said, well, this time we're going <laughs> to. And I'm telling you, I prayed five, eight minutes. I prayed a long time. We went and got on the runway. He starts down the runway. The plane lifted off ever so gently, and we start climbing, and it's wonderful. Not a problem in the world. We started climbing, and we flew probably three, four minutes, and something happened that will never leave my mind. The pilot turned to me, and he said, we're going in the clouds, and I can't fly in clouds. They make me pass out. I said, clouds make you do what? <laughs> now, it's been cloudy all day. And we go right up into the clouds, and you can't see anything. And he looks at me, and his eyes roll back in his head. And he starts mumbling, and he passes out. Passed out cold. Now, I grabbed him, and I shook him, and I said, come on, you got to wake up so I can kill you. Now, we're in the clouds, flying along with no pilot. And my friend in the back seat said, we're dead, aren't we? I said, there's a very good chance of that, yes. He said, what are we going to do? I said, I don't know. But there was a radio right there, and I handed him the microphone, and I said, start asking for help. So he's in the back seat reaching up, and he said, hello, hello. We didn't know any proper radio etiquette. All we were saying was hello. And somebody answered back, hello, hello. Don't you guys know proper radio etiquette? 
And I said, give it to me. I said, tell them we don't know nothing. Tell them we're in an airplane with a passed out pilot and we don't know how to fly this plane. The guy said, I'm a freighter flying out of Anchorage on the way to Tokyo. And he said, you're telling me you have nobody who can fly that plane with you? I said, tell them that's correct. Now, you got to understand, I am sweating bullets. He said, the first thing I'm going to do is start circling so I don't lose you. Because I'll fly out of range of your radio and you won't have me anymore. And he said, I'm going to get Anchorage Emergency for you. And Anchorage Emergency will be the people that can maybe help you try to save your life. After about five minutes, Anchorage came on and said, we understand you have a passed out pilot. And those of you do not know how to fly that plane. We said, that's right. They said, well, the first thing we got to do is find you. And I'll never forget what this man at Anchorage said. He said, my job is to get you home safe. He said, that's my job. But he said, here's the deal. If you want me to get you home safe, you got to promise me you'll obey my voice. He said, you can't see me, but I can see you. And he said, if you're not going to obey my voice, you're going to die. When you can't see anything, you have no idea how disorientated you become. Finally, he said, okay, I found you. Now, hear me clear. He said, you're four minutes from a mountain. He said, you're going to crash in that mountain and die. Follow my voice. I never said... I have to follow your voice. Is that reasonable? You see, I understood without his voice, I had nothing. And do you understand? Without God's voice, you have nothing. Nothing. Finally, he got us turned. And he said, I'm freezing all the traffic in the area. He said, it's going to take me an hour and a half to get you to Anchorage. And there's a lot of weather between you and Anchorage. You're in for a rough ride. And he said, I want you to hear me. I don't want you to look at what's going on outside. I don't want you to pay attention to the storm. Just my voice. He said, if you start watching the storm, you will die. But I'll take you through it. Now, because they cleared all the traffic, several pilots, those nighttime freighters, those 747s started talking to us. They said, we're praying for you, Ben. going to make it but listen to the voice that's the key they said trust the voice you realize your head is full of voices and everybody in this world wants to talk to you and everybody wants to be the controlling voice and god says i want you to be a living sacrifice i want you to put yourself on the altar and let my voice be your voice finally we went through the worst of the weather but there was still more and then the voice came back and he said, now, I'm going to line you up. He said, I'm going to bring you in right down the runway. And at the foot of the runway are some lights, and they're in the form of a cross. He said, don't you forget this. The cross is the way home. Finally, he's bringing us down. We still can't see anything. And all he kept saying is, stay with me. My sheep, the Bible says, hear my voice, and they follow me. Finally, just a couple hundred feet off the ground, we saw the cross. I landed the plane. In fact, I landed it seven times. Finally, it all came to a stop, and the minute we stopped, the pilot woke up. The voice said, thanks for listening. I watch them crash and burn all the time because they won't follow my voice. They don't understand I'm the one who can see them even when they can't see me. But they get the voices in their head and they kill themselves. They self-destruct. 
thanks for listening to The Voice. Then they put us in a motel room in about four in the morning. A knock at my door. And I opened the door and a man was standing there. He said, hello, David. I said, you're The Voice. You're the one who got me home. He said, I am. Do you understand one day you're going to stand before him and say, you were The Voice. You're the voice that brought me home. Let's stand this evening and bow our heads and close our eyes. Jen, if you'd come and lots of voices out there. Let's trust the voice, the voice of God through his word, as he leads us through his Holy Spirit. The Lord spoke to your heart this evening. You be obedient to him. Father, we love you. Thank you for the message tonight. We ask you, God, that you'd work in this brief invitation. Now, Lord, help us to uh, obey you and honor you as you're directing in our lives, God, in Jesus' name. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed as the piano begins to play. If the Lord spoke to your heart, would you respond this evening? <laughs> 